0: Quality and fairness are some of America's most cherished ideals because they spent part of their career in jobs that didn't pay into the Social Security system. The Social Security Fairness Act is the number one legislative priority of the Fraternal Order Police. Fraternal Order Police has been fighting for decades to repeal windfall elimination and government pension offset, the two provisions that unfairly target many Americans who had dedicated their careers to public service. Today we welcome back two strong allies of the Fraternal Order Police. Representative Garrett Graves, who represents Louisiana's 6th Congressional District in Congress since 2015, and Representative Abigail Spanberger, who currently represents Virginia's 7th Congressional District and is a former law enforcement officer herself. They have been outspoken advocates for windfall elimination, government pension offset repeal, and leaders of this issue. I am Patrick Yeos, National President of Fraternal Order Police. This is the Blue View. Well, thank you. Welcome, welcome back to the podcast. Look, at first, I got to start off both of you, and thank you for for where we are now. If you think of where we were just in a few years, this has always been our priority, trying to get some relief to windfall elimination, government pension offset, and here we are. Last year, we got to 305. It took us it took us the whole Congress to get there, and not enough time to really do anything with it. But here we are. We hit the we hit the 290 mark, and we did it uh, what eight nine months. But here we are at 300. I, I, I couldn't be my members couldn't be happier to, to hear that we're finally getting some, some, if nothing else, I think everyone in Washington has to recognize this issue is not going away. Thank you for, for your hard work on, on, on such a, such an important issue to to public employees across this country that are just so unfairly treated just because of their choice to be public servants. But, uh, so before we get started, I, I know I've got, you know, viewers that may not uh, have seen our previous podcast. So, um, if you, wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and start. Just give us a little, bit of, a little bit of background.
1: Absolutely. My name is Abigail Spanberger. I represent Virginia's 7th District in Congress. Um, and I am a daughter of a career public employee. And uh, I myself began my career in, in public services first as a federal agent and then as a CIA officer. Um, and this issue is incredibly important to the people that i represent i represent so many federal retirees retired law enforcement uh, a lot of capital police officers live in my district as well um, and so this issue is incredibly important to me I've heard about it from pretty much the first day on my campaign trail uh to now and i'm so proud of the the progress we've made great
2: great uh garrett graves from south louisiana uh, represent areas like uh, baton rouge down in new orleans airport and then over to the Southwest in the coastal and Cajun country of Louisiana. Um, and I worked uh, growing up kind of doing infrastructure type work and got involved in energy policy, environmental issues, ended up uh, being in charge of rebuilding levees and coastal wetlands after Hurricane Katrina and worked side by side with a lot of the public servants that um, that, that we're now trying to help. I, I want to be clear that I would not benefit from this uh, law, but I, but a lot of the the colleagues that I worked with for a number of years would, and I um, I just think that this is one of the biggest injustice uh, issues that we need to fix in Congress, and really excited about the progress that uh, that you mentioned.
0: Well, I, I could could not be could not be more happy to see uh, the progress progress that we make. making. So let's let's break it down a little bit. I, I don't want to get into windfall elimination, government pension offset, because we've got a lot of podcasts. We'll pull that information and we'll we'll paste it in here. But uh, but I want to talk about It took us nine months to get to 290. What's different in this Congress?
1: I I think the the great thing is we built on last year's success or last Congress's success. Uh, So in a bipartisan manner, uh, I know Garrett and I and many of the other members who are super active in their support of this bill, went back to the same folks and said, you were on it last year. We need to get on it right now. Um, And even with many of the new members who came in, your predecessor was on this bill last time. You should get on it now. Um, and we were really able to just do that really at a, just an amped up speed. And, uh, yeah.
2: So, Pat, look, I think you have to keep in mind that this has been a problem for over 40 years. Yeah. And, and so if this was easy, it would have been done a long time ago. Um, I think it's a momentum issue. As Abby mentioned, the fact that we had hit a high watermark last Congress after two years, getting 305 co-sponsors this year, I think there was a more organized effort. We tried to really coordinate our efforts, working with fraternal order police and others and making sure that we were very thoughtful, deliberate. We had a strategy behind it. It wasn't just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Uh, Like Abby said, going after the folks that were co-sponsors, you know, kind of the low hanging fruit. Let's get all those folks first. Let's get the momentum going and then let's just start teeing off of that. And, as you've seen, it's been a yeah. wildly successful year so far. But um, importantly, we're not stopping. Three hundred is not enough. Uh, we want to keep running up. We're, right now, I love this stat: we are the third most co-sponsored bill in the Congress.
0: Well, that's I, not good enough. I,
2: I don't. I don't think there's a reason why we shouldn't be number one.
0: So, so finally, you know, two thousand seven, I think, was the last time they had a hearing. Had a hearing. Uh, so we finally got at least some movement on it. Let's let's talk about the hearing, Eric, right? because it's in your district.
2: Yeah, uh, look, really, really excited and appreciative of uh, Congressman Jason Smith, the chairman of the committee, and Richie Neal, the the ranking member, agreeing to do a hearing. Um, I think as Abby and I have shown, we're not going away. We've got a tremendous amount of support, so you can either work with us, or we're going to have uh, we're going to be putting tread marks on you. And uh, <laughs> and so great that the committee agreed to have a hearing. Um, I think the the fact that uh, they were willing to do it in the first year, as you said, it has been several years since there's been. Any attention paid to this right. by the by the committee in terms of the congressional hearing—that is the first step before you would move forward on a markup—and uh, just really excited that the committee was willing to do it. Bipartisan support for the bill demonstrated clearly, and um, and we've just got to keep the momentum going.
0: Great. So so what's what's next? Uh, tell me tell me what our next uh, this journey that's going to allow us to hopefully get uh, get some movement on this. What-
1: well, I'll speak a little bit to the continued advocacy. If you want to speak towards uh, the path of. Pushing on yeah. Republican leadership, yeah. um, you know, we're bipartisan duo on the Democrat in the bipartisan duo on this bill. And so I, I think continuing the advocacy from F.O.P., from retired teachers associations, from uh, retired individual groups, federal uh, employees, uh, etc., We have been able to make so much progress in part because, yes, we are bringing this to our colleagues. It makes sense when when you explain it. Um, But also constituents across the country are contacting and have been contacting their members of Congress and doing so in a really very, very organized way. I think F.O.P. has been extraordinary in explaining why this is so important and getting their members mobilized on the issue Um, and so continuing that as we work on the legislative side continuing to make it top of mind and a priority issue for constituents across the country uh, to ensure that the remainder so we can be that number one bill uh, in terms of co-sponsorship remainder of those who just don't know they want to co-sponsor it yet. Unenlightened, <laughs> <laughs> the unenlightened, those who you know they will once they know. Uh, certainly, hear about it in in great numbers. Uh, that will continue to put pressure um, in in a, in a very positive way on uh, House leadership, and certainly uh, moving forward with a hearing demonstrates so that that's a great. First step, uh, but moving forward, um, you know we've got the numbers. If we wanted to kind of force a, force the bill to the floor through the two hundred and ninety rule, we are there. We could take that step, um, but you know ideally it will go through the proper process because this bill is so broadly supported. Um, and so I'll defer to you on the next steps in the proper yeah, process. The, look, um,
2: I, I want to reiterate what I said earlier, uh, Pat. I think the. The important thing is, is that we've got to keep running the points up. We've got no to doubt. keep running the co-sponsors up on this. I think it's a really important step. We should not rest at 300 just because we're at the highest number in this. You know, it, it, within the first year, it's not enough. We we've got to keep running the numbers up because that shows the momentum and the support, and it makes it really a undeniable bill in terms of the leadership in the in the House and in the Senate. So so that's really important too. Is not just the co-sponsorships, but the education of people. Look, one of one of, the, one of the things that you hear over and over again, and you and I were talking about this before we, we turned the cameras on, is that the the sort of the, the elephant in the room is the fact that this by by a scoring mechanism, the Congressional Budget Office says, well, this costs ten billion dollars over over ten years. Yes, but but what they failed to say is that you have been stealing from people from for, for 40 years now. There truly is an insolvency issue with the Social Security Trust Fund, meaning that you project years out sometime in the 2030s, it is going to run out of money. and And so there is a real problem that needs to be addressed but it doesn't mean you should continue stealing from people. So I think the education and the advocacy is really important. I think after this hearing, we we've got to continue working with the committee on a committee strategy. How are they going to move forward and and mark this bill up? I think Abby and I have an obligation to work with them on the on the on the scoring side and make sure that this doesn't damage or or um uh, cause greater insolvency problems with the Social Security Trust Fund. Yeah.
0: You know, it's uh, it, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating in the fact that I've, I've, you know, I recently had a, had a discussion with a, with a Senator. He told me the same thing. He said, you know, just the issue is is where do we find the money? And I'll tell you exactly where you find it. You found it <laughs> in my paycheck in public employees across this country, balancing the social security system on the backs of public employees was never, should never be, uh, you know, by design, you know, a strategy that's going to balance the social security system. Um, you know, we, we, what makes public employees so different than every other uh, you know, American? It's just a matter of fairness. We're not asking for handouts. We're just asking for the same benefit that every, every other American's entitled to. Well,
2: Pat, look, I mean, I said this at the press conference uh, a few months ago. If, if this budgeting or accounting mechanism were used in a private office, that's called embezzling. And, and yeah. just because it's Congress, they try to call it budgeting, but that's not OK. <laughs> and we've got to fix it. We've yeah. got to make them honest. Well,
0: I'm going to tell you, is it so ideal. I, you know, I get uh, no less than probably ten phone calls a week from our members across the country, and I'm just to, just to put this in perspective for you. Um, you know, someone who retired in the '80s, you know, back what their pension was in the '80s might sound like pretty good money uh, back in the '80s, but you know, you project it forward to where we are today, you're talking about people at a poverty level, and I've got members that the callings asking, when when do we get some relief? And you know, digging into it a little bit deeper it might only be $200 for them, but for them it is so that $200 makes a difference, you know, in in, in survival. So, you know, I think one of the challenges that we have is there are many people who have uh, solutions to this problem. You know, first we need to recognize there's a problem. Guess what? Congratulations, we made everybody recognize that there's a very real problem needs to be fixed. Now, I guess the, the frustration comes in is that some of the solutions that some are bringing forward of fixing this problem recognizes that it's wrong, but it's just a partial fi- partial fix. Well, if it's partially, if it's completely wrong, why is a partial fix somehow beneficial? And, and who does it affect? I can tell you that it's going to affect those are the ones that are just identified, the ones who need it the most. They're just not going to get anything. Where's their relief? You know, for years they, they haven't received it. This was their money. They should have had an opportunity to it. So if we could, I, I don't want to dwell on that much because I'm, I'm you know, we all know and recognize that the best way to fix this is to repeal it but what are some of those some of those other variables that are out there that people are talking about
1: well there's um you know there's other legislative ideas of let's just fix it for a couple years right which is unacceptable in my opinion because if it's a problem now as we all recognize um how would fixing it for just a couple years be the solution to this problem because it will continue and it will continue to impact um public servants who have retired and you know, on the insolvency issue in that larger discussion, we, we do hear that. And usually a little bit of discussion uh, persuades people to to join our efforts. Two things can be true. This is absolutely unfair that we have the windfall elimination provisions and we have the government pension offset, and we have to have conversations about the long-term solvency of Social Security. But the the reality is it's not that the WEP and GPO are you know single-handedly making Social Security long-term solvent. No, we still have the solvency issues and we are being deeply unfair to retired public servants who have paid into the system and see every single month, a reduction for some by hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Um, and, and so you know, these other sort of short-term fixes or ideas that, you know, might get at one or the, not the other, it's, it's just an issue of fairness. And our job is to ensure that when we see that there's a problem within legislation that certainly was passed long before we got to Congress, we can fix it. And when there are other issues, whether it's solvency issue or whether it's, you know, any other challenge facing Congress, well, we should fix that, too. Um, Or endeavor to have real honest conversations that it is not weapon GPO that is, you know, the the single-handed thing that we have to unfairly protect to avoid other conversations, those other conversations about solvency, we have to have at some point in the future as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, tell me what we need to do next. I mean, obviously, 300 is not enough. It's not something that we 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 hope to uh, you know we hope to get that number uh, you know beyond the 305. Uh, so, we will continue continue to work. You know, work there, but I'm also encouraged on the Senate side. We now have 49 co-sponsors, which is a awesome. uh, a high a high watermark that we've we never experienced before. So we've got some work to do there. So, uh, tell me what uh what what you know, people that are listening and, and watching, yeah, yeah. what they what they need to know, what they need to do. Just sure. give a let call me, to let action. Me, let
2: me add on to Abby's just response real quick on the on the other alternatives and partial fix. and all. So look, I I think it's important to note all these people I think are well intentioned. Yeah. But but doing a, a few years of a fix or doing or we're just going to fix WEP or just GPO or we're going to do an X percentage. Look, that's negotiating with yourself. And I think what you have to do is you have to come in with as strong as a position as you can, which is what our bill does. Right. We talked about do we redefine this or change it? And, and the answer early on was no. We're going to stick with the full fix here. And so I think that's really important. I think we shouldn't get distracted by these other proposals and do some coaster Sponsorships there, some here. They all need to be focused on HR eighty two and on the Senate companion bill. In regard to path forward, look, I, I um, jokingly referred to the the, the folks that aren't co sponsors as the unenlightened. We need to enlighten them, and so Absolutely. that means. The fraternal order of police, it means the teachers, it means the public employees, the firefighters, and everyone else that's impacted. Um, many communities like teachers and and, and and police officers, people that, you know, look, are critical to our community's future. Um, and, and folks that are underpaid, folks that are overworked, making sure that we're educating these members of Congress, understand that they understand the issue, they understand the injustice that's occurred for 40 years, they understand, like you talked about, the, the, the impact it has on individuals in terms of this is somebody that gave 30 years of their life to law enforcement and they're effectively living in poverty right now uh, because they're, they're having money stolen from them and and I think it's really important that we continue to communicate and educate members of Congress on on the history of this and how we're not asking for 40 years of stolen money to be repaid all we're trying to do is do a perspective fix
0: that's absolutely absolutely you know I, I liken this saying you know probably probably heard me say this before, but it's kind of standing in line at a grocery store. person in front of me buys a loaf of bread. They pay for that loaf of bread. They pay the same amount. I've got a loaf of bread. I walk up and say, aren't you a public employee? And they take as much as 60% of the loaf away and charge me the same price. I mean, let's just put it in perspective. That's what's happening right now. So when, when, you know, the discussions about how how do we balance it, how's it going to affect the system? Well, if we stole from everybody, I guess everybody would be upset. The problem is, is windfall elimination is a smaller pool of people. And the only, really, only ones that are yelling and, and feeling any injustice are those. So, thank you for being the advocates for those that the that smaller group of the bigger of the bigger group of Social Security and recognizing that this just isn't right. And uh, let's continue to fight. And you've got our full commitment to do it. And I appreciate all that you're doing.
1: It, importantly, if I can just add, it's it's not about negatively impacting everybody else on Social Security. Right. It's just it's fixing, just it. fixing yeah. it for the people who are negatively yeah. impacted.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you very much. And uh, let's, let's keep it moving. Looking forward, excited to finally see some movement. Uh, and uh, you know, one, thing, one thing they need to know for sure, this isn't going away. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's not helpful. going away. It's building momentum. At some point, we're going to have to find a fix. So uh, let's, just, uh, let's just do the right thing. You know, this whole, our entire system is built on fairness. There's nothing fair about any of this. Nope. So, so again, thanks, thank, thanks. thank you very much for, you. for all that you do. And to our viewers back home, uh, listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to the Blue View podcast where we talk about the things that are so vitally important to the men and women who suit up and show up every day in communities across this country and make a difference. Thank you.
1: Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else to get your podcasts. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram, at FOPnational. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.